today on Ag News Daily. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here from the Ag News Daily Podcast, joined today by Delaney Howell, as always. Delaney, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, Mike. And are you ready for this? I have some really exciting news. What do you got? My plants have grown. I've got two little seedlings that have sprouted green, and I'm just really proud of myself because I wasn't entirely confident that anything would grow. And I tell you what, Lynn, if they were coming up any color other than green, you should be very concerned. Oh, I should? Does that mean somebody would be like, you know, doing things to my plants they shouldn't be doing? Maybe. Um, the question is, what is popping up? What do you think you've uh, planted I have, out there? Well, I know there, there are seedling trays that I just have started inside, but I've been worried, like, are they getting enough sunlight? Am I giving them too much water, not enough water? And it's super crazy. I wish I would have had some sort of video cam on them because this morning when I watered them, there was nothing that was peeking out yet. And then early this afternoon before we recorded the podcast, I just happened to notice that there were two little seeds or two little green plants popping up in my cauliflower and my tomato plants. All right. Well, there you go. Delaney Howe, Master Gardener. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Master Gardener. I'm not sure I would give myself that title yet, but I'm just like, I can't even explain to you how excited I am that, wow, I have something that actually grew because I really am not good at keeping like houseplants alive. Well, there you go, Delaney. You're bringing life into this world. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. It's a good feeling. Well, you're, I guess, stewarding life that had already been brought right. into the world since they were yes. seedling. Yeah. Well, we've also got life, Delaney, in the equity markets. Again, today, we continue to see an upturn in economic sentiment on the idea that this coronavirus thing is peaking here in the United States. We've got stocks up. That is in turn helping push cattle up. We've got live cattle, remember, trading on expanded limits today. And the uh, front month April is using those. We'll get to that when we talk markets here in just a little bit. But I tell you, it is pretty exciting to see some optimism returning to the markets here, even as everybody remains sort of quarantined at home. Well, unfortunately, that optimism doesn't trickle yet into producer sentiment. We saw yesterday the release of the Purdue Purdue's an, or a monthly ag economy barometer, and we saw one of the biggest declines month over month that happened yesterday. We saw about 40% of farmers surveyed said that they were very worried about the impact of the virus on their profitability for this year. And another 34% said they were fairly worried, where one in five producers said that they expect the next 12 months to be a good stretch for the ag economy. So it seems like from Purdue's gatherings, producers are a little more pessimistic on that front. We also saw that quite a few folks said they're pretty unoptimistic about a trade deal with China and that they were not expecting a quick trade recovery. So... Not a lot of certainty in that front. No, that's not. Of course, that was that survey was put together while this thing was uh, really starting to hit the the well the world pretty hard. And so I guess it'll be interesting to see what the next month's survey looks like. It certainly will. But I did share that survey on our Facebook and Twitter page. If you guys would like to read it for yourself, you can find it at Ag News Daily. 
folks, we're always checking out the Ag News Daily website as well as the website globalagnetwork.com. Uh, I've got some news that might not be great news for producers, especially beef producers out east. We have another Pennsylvania beef facility shutting its doors for the time being due to COVID-19. Cargill announced they're closing a meat plant in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, that uh, produces meat for retail food customer. Uh, customers. So uh, this plant primarily makes ground beef steaks, beef roasts, and pork products that are sold at grocery stores across the country, and that's where the demand has been the strongest. However, the community of Hazleton, which has apparently been hit pretty hard by this virus, uh, Cargill came out and said, look, our goal is to keep our 900 employees at this uh, facility case ready, and uh, in order to do that, we are going to close and we will reopen as soon as it is safe to do so. So no timeline on the reopening there in Pennsylvania. This comes on top of the Tyson plant in Iowa, the National Beef plant in Tama, Iowa, and the JBS plant in um Oh, Pennsylvania, that have already shut their doors due to COVID-19. So we are seeing some of that production, um, some production shortfalls being generated by this disease as it uh, spreads through the uh, packing industry. Yes, absolutely. And we're also seeing, of course, that shutter through the ethanol and biofuels industry as well. And Poet is shutting down ethanol production facilities at three different locations in Iowa and South Dakota and postponing the opening of another plant that was begin to set produce begin to start producing here in Indiana and they released that just yesterday and i believe that they've already idled i think three or four other plants so this is just getting added to that list that are getting shut down and along with that they've had to put about 130 employees on furlough and putting those people at some temporary risk as well Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this disease is having impact uh, in America, but also around the world. And one of the places it's having an impact is in Malaysia. And we don't talk about Malaysia very often in the context of uh, American agriculture, but Malaysia is one of the world's largest producers of soy oil's chief, uh, our chief competitor, palm oil. And uh, Malaysia's biggest palm oil state, Sabah, is closing its palm oil operations. They're closing them down in six different districts as they try to contain this coronavirus. And uh, basically, they're saying that uh, they want the health, the, the facts from the health ministry and the police first to make sure that the facilities are safe to operate. The uh, Sabah state produces about 25% of the country's palm oil, and they've been shutting down plants uh, or shutting down plantations and mills since uh, April 14th, or they're shutting them down rather until April 14th because of these uh, workers testing positive for the virus. Now, there is some frustration because the Malaysian Palm Oil Association warns that the industry could lose 500,000 tons of crop, basically worth about uh, $99 million from this 14-day closure. However, the, uh, the president says, stay, t- uh, you know, stay positive. We will... Be patient until a decision is reached what longer-term production looks like. So this should be somewhat bullish on the uh, the part of soybean oil. Well, I want to take it away from COVID-19 here for just a second because this was also a big headline for today. Definitely a big headline for those of us in agriculture who are not big Bernie fans. And it seems that now Bernie Sanders has officially dropped out for the Democratic race, for the Democratic nominee. And so we will not see the burn as a potential candidate for president of 2020 here. 
Well, to be fair to Lynn, he has just as of early this afternoon suspended his campaign. He has not officially dropped oh, out okay. yet. Um, but yeah, typically that is the the first step towards a, a removal from the race, which leaves Joe Biden as the presumptive nominee on the Democrat side, with President Donald Trump as still the presumptive nominee on the Republican side. Yes. That is what the election Unless... is shaping up for. Unless we see the Democratic Party present a new candidate during their, what is it called, national convention? Yeah, the uh, the nominating convention, which has been postponed to August in Milwaukee due to coronavirus concerns. But I've heard some rumors and trickles that perhaps they would be introducing a new candidate. I have no idea if this is absolutely true or not, but just some people are trickling rumors out that perhaps Biden will not be their candidate either. Yeah, and I don't know how the inside baseball on the Democrat side all plays out, so I guess we'll just have to stay tuned and see exactly what shakes out when that convention does roll around. We sure will. Well, we've got some news. I know we've got a lot of folks that tune into the podcast who aren't necessarily producers, but they are, in fact, commodities traders, and a number of them live in Chicago. We've got breaking news here in Chicago as of early this afternoon. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, has now banned all liquor sales in the city after 9 p.m. Hmm. What are you supposed to do? Well, apparently, I guess, buy it before 9 p.m.? <laughs> Seems like... Be, be a know. proactive drinker. Yeah. Get and, out there. If you're going to support the corn industry, get your bourbon purchased <laughs> before 9 p.m. in the uh, city of Chicago. And I'm not saying that you should be drinking after 9 p.m. That's not what I'm endorsing or stating. I just don't think it's fair that we see people, the government, not people, we see the government controlling these aspects of our life. I feel like it really infringes on our First Amendment rights. Yeah, First Amendment rights to assemble. I think you're exactly right. But at the same time, they're invoking all of these wartime powers now during this uh, coronavirus outbreak. And I agree with you 100%, Delaney. But Supreme Court's not hearing cases for a while. So whatever they say goes until they can be challenged in court. And I'm guessing their thought is if you're buying booze after 9 p.m., you've (laughs) probably already been out or been at home drinking probably not doing the most to uh, monitor your social distancing I see. and wearing your mask and all that. I, that's my guess as to uh, why this rule was just proposed. Interesting. Well, I don't know. It's going to, that's weird to me, but this is going to be interesting. The aftermath to see if people do pursue lawsuits or I don't know, some sort of filing against the government or whomever saying you infringe on my rights. Yeah, I mean, I've got a feeling if I'm a liquor store owner, I imagine most of the best sales come after 9 p.m. I would be awfully frustrated about this. Yeah, I would be too. But talking about frustrations, we're still seeing some people frustrated by the lack of clarity that the government has provided about the PPP funds or just the stimulus package in general. So I've got kind of a two-part news story here. So as we know... Agriculture was awarded, I think, 23 or $24 billion as part of that $2 trillion stimulus package. And so the USDA has seen many uh, requests coming in and flooding them about different industries asking for some of that aid, including, of course, the dairy industry, the beef industry. Well, the latest request has come in now from the produce industry and have requested the USDA provide up to $5 billion in payments to growers and dealers who were hammered by loss of markets because of restaurants, hotels, and schools shut down because, of course, that's a big portion of their businesses going to those entities. And so we're going to continue to watch that front. The USDA really hasn't 
made word or issued a statement about how they're going to handle all of these requests or what this money will be specifically used for. But Secretary Purdue did say and pledged in a letter to Senate Ag Committee leader Debbie Stabenow that this COVID-19 aid will be distributed in a, quote, fair and equitable manner because, of course, part of the concern was that MFP payments 2018 and 2019 were skewed. They went to the wrong people or went to businesses as opposed to producers who were really impacted by this. So Secretary Purdue, it sounds like, is treading somewhat lightly over handling this, these influx of requests. Well, I suppose that's the way you've got to do it because these requests are going to be coming hard and heavy as the impact of this coronavirus continues to spread. Absolutely. But the other piece of that stimulus package news I wanted to share, which is very timely because, of course, as we've been teasing for the past basically week, we're chatting today with Glenn Birnbaum talking about the new PPP or Paycheck Protection Program. He's got a lot of interesting things to share I honestly would download this episode, maybe bookmark it, listen to it a few times because I've already had some different thoughts now that I've listened to it again and considering, you know, filings for even our business, Mike. But the White House Let's is, get that cheese, <laughs> The White House is now seeking an additional two hundred and fifty billion dollars on top of the three hundred and fifty billion that they've already asked for as part of this economic stimulus package. So it is expected that we see the House and Senate vote on it later this week. They're expecting as early as Friday we'll have some sort of decision as to whether or not to add more dollars to this program. But again, I really would like to stress farmers are eligible. All farmers, Mike and I got it clarified, all farmers, regardless of your legal filings, if you're an entity or if you're just self-employed, you are all eligible for this Paycheck Protection Program. Hey guys, you've heard me mention before, when I'm not hosting Ag News daily, I'm helping out with the Iowa Farm Bureau's Spokesman Speaks podcast. If you're from Iowa, you've probably heard of the Spokesman newspaper. It has the largest readership of an ag newspaper in Iowa. The Spokesman Speaks podcast is essentially an extension of the newspaper, reaching farmers and ag professionals on the go with the stories that matter most. In this week's episode, we have economists Dr. Sam Funk and Dr. Chad Hart talking about the impact coronavirus is having on agriculture and what agriculture is doing to fight back. We also have ag climatologist Dr. Dennis Toddy with a growing season forecast that you won't want to miss. You can find and subscribe to the Spokesman Speaks podcast in your favorite podcast app or go to iowafarmbureau.com slash podcast. Yeah, so stay tuned. We're going to have a great conversation with Glenn Birnbaum. Delaney, should we hit the markets before we jump into that conversation? Let's do it. All right, folks, we've got mixed trade today in the grains. Corn was a little weaker, beans were mixed, and wheat was slightly higher on the day. Take a look at the corn market right off the bat. The May contract was down three-quarters of a cent at 3.30 and three-quarters. December new crop down a penny at 3.50 even. Over in the soybean market, the May contract was down a quarter cent at 8.54 and a half. November new crop up half a penny, closed at 8.67 and a quarter. Over on wheat, uh, excuse me, Chicago wheat May contract unchanged on the day at 5.49 and a quarter. December new crop up one and a quarter to finish at 559 and a half. 
Looking over at the world of livestock, again, live cattle trading expanded limits, feeder cattle trading expanded limits, and lean hogs trading expanded limits. The only one to really utilize that was the April live cattle contract. Closed up 450 today to finish at 92.82 half. The June, out well up the limit early this morning, ended up coming off those levels quite a bit. Closed up a dollar 87 half to finish at eight, excuse me, 86.67.50. Feeder cattle April contract up four dollars 95 cents, finishing at 119.87.50. The May up five dollars 57 and a half to finish at 119.37.50. And in lean hogs, that April contract was down a dollar at 43.12 and a half. The May down two dollars 47 and a half cents, closing at 45.90. Price levels we haven't seen in over 10 years. Looking at the dairy market, yesterday's excitement was reversed today. The April contract class three milk down 26 cents at 13.78. The May more than what was gained yesterday was lost. It was down 75 cents on the day to finish at 11.83. Without further ado, let's jump in and chat with Glenn Birnbaum. Well, as promised, we are going to hopefully add some clarity to the PPP program that was released by the administration as part of this new stimulus package. And to help us cut through that and break that down a little bit more, we've got on the line with us today Glenn Birnbaum, who is a shareholder at Heinold Banwart. We've had you on before, Glenn. I believe the last time we chatted was when we talked about the grain glitch with the Section uh, 199A tax code. And so now we're talking about this new program, the Paycheck Protection Program. Before we dive into some of the nitty gritty, can you just give us a general overview of the program and why this is important for agriculture? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Delaney and Mike. And yeah, this is definitely a, you know, a brand new program that you know, just came out here in the last few weeks as part of the CARES Act. But what it does is it's really designed to, you know, provide a loan to to small businesses, including self-employed people, for payroll primarily. And then, you know, if if things are done correctly and you, and you spend the money as you're supposed to, according to the regulations, a lot of this loan or possibly all of this loan can be forgiven. And so that's what you hear people talking about. Is it really a grant? Well, it starts out as a loan, but then it can kind of get converted to a grant. So it's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal, Glenn, and how much, as far as we know, how many dollars have been allocated to this program so far? Is that something that's been released publicly? You know, we're trying to stay up on that. I mean, the total amount was $349 billion. Um, I think they were, last time I checked, it was maybe in the in the 70 range, but, you know, I, I'm not sure. What I'm not clear on is if this is people just applying or is it actually people who, you know, have actually got the money? I think there's a lot fewer people that have actually received the money yet, or is it just committed? So there's still a lot of confusion because what they're trying to do, Mike, is, you know, they're putting this program through the an existing small business um, administration act where I think they did like $30 billion of loans a year is, is a typical, you know, amount. And now they're trying to do, you know, $350 billion in a few weeks. So it's a real strain on the system and the infrastructure and that. So, so I'm not really clear how many people have actually received the money up. 
Yeah, it certainly seems like it's going to be a strain on the system, just in general, this whole stimulus package. But Glenn, one of the questions that I wanted to make sure we ask, because Mike and I have been debating this on the podcast and we're not entirely sure, is do you have to be a legal entity, an LLC, an S-Corp, a C-Corp, to file for this PPP program? Or, you know, in some of the instances of farms, I know a lot of farmers that don't have legal entities but have employees or maybe are an employee themselves and are worried about finances. So are they applicable for this as well? Well, it's a great question. And, you know, we should always preface this by that it's about 10 a.m. Central on Wednesday, April 8th. But we are supposed to be getting more guidance on, you know, how this applies to self-employed individuals here in the next day or two, because originally they said, hey, Friday, April 3rd is when small businesses and sole proprietors can apply. And then Friday, April 10th, which is just in a couple of days here, self-employed people and independent contractors can apply. So my question was, what's the difference between a sole proprietor and a self-employed person? Because at least in my world, that's kind of the same term. But what I've under what I understand is, is that a sole proprietor would be somebody that actually has employees, has payroll. And so they were eligible to apply a little bit sooner last Friday. And then, then self-employed individuals, so to get to your question, self-employed individuals, you do not have to have payroll. You do not have to have a separate entity set up. Again, this is our understanding right now. You know, if you've got a schedule, schedule F, then that's, you know, you're going to be able to, to file for this starting Friday, April 10th. Now, Glenn, um, when we're thinking about the entities that can apply, that have applied in the past, or, or that should be applying this year, what are, and I know this guidance is still coming out, but what are the rules to be able to achieve forgiveness at the end of this loan? Do we know? Yeah. Well, that's a good question, Mike. Uh, and, and I think it's one of those things, that's the real, you know, that's the real attraction of this program, right? They say, I, if I can get this loan forgiven, it's a pretty cool deal. Um, there is definitely going to be more guidance coming out on this point because they know they have more time to, to kind of clarify this. But in general, I guess we've got to talk first about, you know, how much, how much of a loan can I get? And roughly it ends up being about two and a half weeks. Um, sorry, two and a half months of your payroll, average monthly payroll. So that ends up being about 10 weeks. So, what you can use, and we can talk about this a bit later, but what you can use to to support the loan amount is basically 10 weeks of payroll costs, and, and we can talk about that in a bit. But now to get to your question, how do I spend it so that it's forgiven? I only have eight weeks to spend it properly to get it forgiven. And so you might think, well, wait a minute. If I just got a loan for 10 weeks and I only have eight weeks to spend it, then you know, it might be 80% of the loan would only be forgiven. 20% would not be forgiven, right? Eight weeks divided by 10. Well, what they do, Mike and Delaney, is they throw in additional expenses that can be used in that subsequent eight-week period. And principally, that is rent, um, that is utilities, and certain types of interest expense. So, so while you only have eight weeks to spend it, there are additional types of uh, costs that can be thrown in in that subsequent eight-week period. So, Glenn, to qualify for this program, I guess I've got kind of a two-part question. One, how should you decide if your operation should apply? I mean, 
agriculture has definitely been impacted by this, but maybe not to the extent of having to close down their business, like some small businesses or shopping malls, you know, golf course, etc. Pretty much everything else has had to shut down. So agriculture really hasn't had to. So is it smart to apply for this government money if it's kind of quote unquote free money? And then second part of that question is how do you go through that process? Do you have to work with a banker or an accountant to apply for it? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, you know, and the the language of the bill it, it talks about, you know, uncertainty in economic conditions necessitates, you know, kind of needing this loan. That's kind of a rough term. So, you know, it's fairly fairly generic, although, you know, you could you could look at it and say, well, do I absolutely, you know, 100% need this loan? I think it's definitely up in the air. Um, but I think most people are saying, hey, the uncertainty, it's, it's pretty significant here. And, and at least it's something to, to look at. Um, now, to get to your question about how do I, how do you apply, you really do, it is, you go through an existing bank, um, a bank that's set up for the SBA loan program, which a lot of banks are. And then because of this program, they, they're basically other banks are able to sign up and participate in this PPP. So, for example, the farm credit system, you know, nationwide, I believe in the past, farm credit, you know, lenders could not participate or they could not make these what's called 7A loans. Uh, but now they've, you know, they, they've got signed up. And so you can even go to like a farm credit or something. But, you know, you can go to your community bank. It's probably going to be somebody that you already have an existing lending relationship with just because banks are getting so inundated with requests. You know, they've kind of got to take care of their their existing customers first. Not that they couldn't be open to, um, you know, other types of uh, new customers, new loans, but more than likely your best place is to talk to your existing lending relationship that you have and see if they, you know, have the portal and, the, and they're prepared to, to uh, help you get signed up. Glenn, as this program continues to get rolled out, how quickly should producers be rushing in to see if this will work for them? Is this money, is this a pot of money that can run out theoretically, or do you think that it'll be, it'll be replenished? What's your thoughts on, on timelines and how aggressively producers need to be moving to potentially take advantage of it? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I think, you know, it is $349 billion. And so there is some concern about, you know, the money. It's first in, first out. They say, you know, hey, whatever applications come in first, they're supposed to kind of take it take it like that. But I believe just yesterday or maybe the day before, you know, there's some talk about, I think, a vote tomorrow that can possibly try to expand the funding, you know, maybe add in another, I don't know, $200 billion. The numbers are getting foggy, but these are big numbers, you know, taking it from $349 billion and increasing it by $200 billion. So, um, I think there there might be a little more time, but but I think most most people I'm talking to are trying to trying to get in while they can. And again, for self-employed people, you know, it's really Friday, April 10th is the first time if you don't have payroll that you can actually apply. What do you mean if you don't have payroll that you can actually apply? Yeah. So what we understand is that if if you do not pay wages to you know anybody else then you are considered self-employed and you and you the first day you can sign up is April 10th. If you are a farmer who, you know, has payroll, you know, some W2s that you issue could even be uh commodity wages, you know, paying people in grain, then that 
you, you could start applying on April 3rd, so, you know, a, a few days ago. So that's that's the distinction we believe right now, is if you have payroll, it was April 3rd. If you don't have payroll, it's April 10th. Oh, interesting. Okay, I didn't realize that about this program. Even without payroll, you can apply for the Paycheck Protection Program. Am I understanding that right? Yes. Yeah, so let's get into what that means, because I, I briefly touched on it. But so what does payroll costs mean? Well, for somebody that has, wages and again this is you know changing every day you know the the big payroll companies like adp might have had things incorrect or they're interpreting things differently but now most people believe it's you know gross wages that's being paid plus any sort of like health insurance that the you know the company is is providing plus retirement plan contributions you know like a 401k match or something and then there's something involving state and local taxes assessed on payroll which at least here in Illinois, would cover something like you know state unemployment taxes, which isn't you know isn't a huge number. But so you're basically looking at you know gross wages plus health insurance plus retirement plus unemployment taxes. So so even even if you have employees, it wasn't super clear over the last week what is included in payroll costs. But now most people believe that's kind of the big four. Now, if you do not have employees, what is the definition of payroll cost? Well, so for somebody that's self-employed, like my dad, it would be basically what your self-employment income was. So if you don't have any wages, it's it's what your self-employment income was, you know, on the 2019 return would probably be the most likely scenario if, if you've already filed. Okay, gotcha. I think that that adds a little bit of clarity too, but Glenn, we've discussed a lot of pieces of this puzzle. There are new pieces that are still coming out, as you mentioned there. What do you think the best way is for farmers and ranchers to stay abreast of the latest information? Should they be reaching out to a banker or an accountant, or is there another resource that is easily manageable to understand what's coming out? You know, I think the banker and the accountant are probably, you know, again, just so they know you're, you know, you're you're in the loop and you're you're thinking about it. I mean, there are some some websites. The U.S. Treasury's got some things, but this stuff is changing so quick. It's it's hard to keep up on it, but you know, your accountant is probably going to help you do the calculations, you know, for what, what's considered payroll costs, you know, wages, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, if, if you, if you're not in with your bank, I think you need to be to at least know, Hey, I'm looking at this and they'll, they've been doing a good job. At least the ones I've been talking to, you know, trying to keep people updated on here's the latest guidance or, and, and each bank can really kind of customize the documentation that they need to provide Delaney, you know, whether it's, certain types of payroll tax forms and, you know, each bank has some discretion as to what, what support is needed to support the loan. Glenn, I know this is a topic you are going to be keeping abreast of. How can producers follow along with, uh, with you sharing information about this topic going forward? Well, yeah, I, that's best to Twitter has probably been the best resource um, out there. I don't think anyone is questioning that. I mean, you know, Senator Marco Rubio or, you know, Secretary Mnuchin, I mean, you know, there's there's tweets that are the first thing that gets announced. So it's definitely something I, I try to follow. So my my Twitter handle is at Glenn Birnbaum. And, yeah, I do try to stay up on it with with help of other people at our firm and in my network to try to try to communicate as, as best I can. Outstanding. Well, folks, follow Glenn. Keep track of what is happening here. This is stuff that can definitely help your bottom line. And uh, as the details roll out, hopefully uh, we'll be able to uh, to provide more information. And Glenn, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us about this stuff today. Well, thank you very much. 
Well, again, really a huge thank you to Glenn. I think this will be a very important episode, Mike. Interesting stuff, but really essential for your businesses. If you're concerned about the well-being of your business, consider applying. You can work with your accountants. You can work with a small business administration approved banker. But, you know, it's at least worth having that conversation to see if your farm is an entity that could perhaps get some aid from this. Yeah. I mean, if the money's out there and if you can have a conversation with somebody without costing you a lot of dollars about whether or not you should apply, have that conversation. Uh, Delaney and I were talking about it. You know, for us, it might not be worthwhile to apply for this, but at least we've had that conversation. We know the opportunity is there if we, uh, you know, scratch a few more numbers on paper and see what comes out. Absolutely. But... We're always thinking and scratching and writing and doing all sorts of things here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. We've got a ton of other great interviews set up for you guys here over the next week or so. We're going to dive a little deeper into the ethanol industry with Jeff Cooper. So stay tuned. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can always find us online and listen to any of our past episodes by heading to agnewsdaily.com. You can also tune in with us, find articles and information we're always sharing on our social media handles. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Agnews Daily. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go, Delaney Howe.